Welcome to the Victory Theory Podcast with your host, Kevin Hooker. And Sophie Spatero. And today we have the pleasure of talking to Hannah. Miss Hannah, uh, would you begin uh, just by kind of telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, my name is Hannah Morales, and I was born and raised in Kutztown, Pennsylvania, where I raced. I was in several sports at first, including soccer, swimming, field hockey, but I narrowed in on cycling when I was having better successes and won three national championships there. Then I burnt out when I stopped winning um, because I realized I was racing to win and not for fun. And then went and lived in a year in, in Chile as a study abroad, came back to the U.S. and went to undergraduate university down in Kentucky, actually on a cycling team at Lindsay Wilson College. So I got a scholarship to ride bicycles there, um, raced, had a bad accident just before graduating there and entering medical school, entered medical school and completed medical school in August of 2020 after having another accident on uh, May 7th of 2020, and now I'm down in Texas at a family medicine residency to finish up my training and hopefully graduate in three years, pending no pauses. Be- but as my uh, history has shown, when has my academic track ever been on track? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, so, oh, I cut out. Can you hear me? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. Um, so do you still cycle for fun or uh, at all, or are you just focusing on other things now? Well, I, so when my first accident happened, I stopped racing for cycling because I realized the risk were the risk with that. And the fact that I wanted to have a career to be able mm-hmm. to support myself because you can't do, it's very difficult to do as a female professional cyclist. Mm-hmm. So that's when I made a decision to stop racing but I was riding for fun and now this accident happened when I was riding for fun for fitness so Mm -hmm. I am currently like at the gym I'll get on the bike because I'm still working on kind of relearning how to run or feeling normal running so Mm -hmm. I can push myself on the bike more and get a better workout with that Um, so I've been riding indoors haven't ridden outdoors again kind of weighing the risk first benefits also the area I'm in is not the best place to ride on the road outside, which is my favorite kind of riding. Uh, I've not had much experience on mountain biking. So mm-hmm. maybe it's time I take that up since there's not cars on, on that, but who knows? Yeah. Um, so will I one day get back on the, on the roads? Probably, but currently right now I do have other focuses. So I'm on the bike just inside to maintain yeah. fitness. I know how you feel about the, uh, on the roads because you know i'm always on the road and i almost almost daily get ran over by cars <laughs> like like they don't notice you uh you know you can put any kind of reflector on or anything and they're going to try to go like 80 miles an hour around you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at least i was yeah going the opposite direction you kind of have a little bit more ability to react but you'd expect that they'd maybe give you a little bit more room and unfortunately that's not the case Right. Half the time they're not even paying attention, so you really got to watch out. Right. Are you in more of a city area or back roads? I'm in more of a city area myself. And I'm kind of in the city back road area, both. Mm-hmm. More Do of you... like, uh, 
what do you call it? Suburbs? Suburbs. Like a suburb. Yeah. Each has its unique uh, benefits and disadvantages for for running on the road. I was literally just outside right before I called, and uh, I was walking to the mailbox, and this guy drove by, probably going like 60 down our road, and I'm like, you know, this is 25. <laughs> Excuse me, citizen's arrest. Yeah. <laughs> it faced him down. I was like, uh, he looked right at me, too, and smiled and waved. I'm like, okay, yeah. Where's our so, with cops? So um, what happened when you had your first accident? Um, like, what injuries did you have? First accident was during a cycling race. I think Tour de France style racing. We were on a downhill in a group. I don't remember it. Apparently people fell down. And when you're in that group, sometimes there's no place to go. But over the bars, I ended up having a um, broken left clavicle or collarbone and a couple broken ribs. I did collapse a lung as well. And I had a traumatic brain injury. So I had a um, brain bleed. Mm. Goodness. I got a flight out of that one that I don't remember. And went to University of Louisville for my care for that. And they did a great job. How, how long did you hospital? That one, honestly, I don't really super remember. I, I, yeah, I really don't remember that one. I, my mom would be able to know, tell you. I know I was like two, two weeks probably in the intensive care unit there. And then... Cause I was a week in a coma and then two weeks in the ICU and then I was a little bit of inpatient rehab and then got released where I went back to my undergrad and made a trip two to three times a week up to Louisville for th- their outpatient therapy. Okay. Yeah. And then you had another, I remember you, I remember you just went on with Shane and then it was a couple of weeks later you had a wrecked in. I remember that. Yeah. I thought it's just super crazy. Um, then May 7th, I was out doing a recreational ride and was hit by a pickup truck. Mm. And that one, I was two and a half weeks in the trauma ICU at University of Kentucky, uh, the, the uh, um, en- enemy school of U of L. <laughs> I got to see <laughs> both sides. But um, yeah, so I was like two weeks in the trauma ICU there and then two and a half weeks in inpatient rehab at Cardinal Hill. And then went up to Pennsylvania where I continued my therapy and finished up my last two surgeries. And in this crash, the most recent one, it's sad that I have to specify now crash number one and crash number two, but (laughs) crash number two, um, right tibia, right femur, open book pelvic, left acetabular fracture, left radius, ulna, humerus, um, left C, well not left, sorry, C2 um, fracture. And I tore my left ACL, MCL, PCL in my left knee, and then a ligament on my right hand called the right ulnar collateral ligament on my thumb. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I think, man, you both had the same knee. I remember you were having knee problems, and I was having knee problems, too. Because I mean, yeah. you, you were doing PT, and I was doing P, PT at the same time. That was, mm-hmm. I remember that. That is a, and knee PT is, is rough. I mean, it's one where the whole stretching thing, you know, when you have a super tight muscle and somebody tries to stretch it out, well, same oh. kind of thing, but with ligaments. It makes you want to 
uh, slap them back when they're pulling on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did they give you? you a, might... Go ahead. Did they give you a, a shot in your knee too, like to uh, to warm it up and stuff and get it? Moving? No, I never got shots. What we would do is we do heat on it and um, just kind of do some opening exercises, and then they would do some stretching where it wouldn't be like super far stretching, but they'd get a little bit I don't know how to describe kind of like a rocking motion and pushing on it as well as um, tightening tightening your muscles because then afterwards after you tighten your muscles they actually relax a little further than they were before so you can bend it a little further so mm-hmm. we did some exercises with that and then it was just alright this is going to hurt but we're going to do it mm-hmm. and it's good that somebody has the um, ability to know when to push and how much to push and that kind of thing because it's difficult to do by yourself. Exactly. Right. I remember that. There was a point where I actually um, when I finished up kind of most of my therapy, I mean my therapist would have liked if I could have stayed another month and she was like because we were just getting to the part where it would have been like really really good kind of thing. We would have made some really great progress that I was headed down to Texas and I was doing the stretching myself and at one point I was like I wonder if I'm making any difference so I did end up actually going online and buying the tool that the physical therapist used to measure the angle just so Mm -hmm. I could have some numbers to be like and so when I measured and I was like oh good I have increased a few degrees I feel like I'm actually doing something then (laughs) and I could use it to kind of push myself to keep going yeah they're they're, uh god savers those the pt techs Mm mm-hmm Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they get fussed at quite often and, uh, you know, they just take it with a grain of salt and keep pushing. Yeah. Yep. Because they have their kind of the eye on the end goal. It's important to, it's important to remember the end goal. Yeah. You set the mini goals and work at the mini goals and then you'll be able to get to the end goal. Then you feel like okay. you're never going to get there. You're like, oh, my God, this is going to take forever. And then one day you turn a corner and you start feeling better. So it's weird. Mm-hmm. 100%. And that's where. With um, my left hand, I had did have some um, paralysis as my nerve grew back in. And so I couldn't extend my wrist. I couldn't bring my wrist back. And so, or even my fingers up. And it was, we would do exercises about, all right, lift, like work on lifting that finger. I push it, work on lifting the finger. And it, you look at your hand. The best way I find to explain this is look at your hand. Don't try and actually move the muscle to lift a finger up off the, off your leg. But just look at it and in your head say, okay, lift off the leg, but don't try. And that's what it was like having a paralyzed hand. And it was very weird. It was very frustrating. And we'd keep doing these exercises. And for weeks, because it takes a nerve regrowing is very slow. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes, for weeks we do these exercises and I wouldn't see a difference. And I would get very, very frustrated. And then one day you could start to feel the muscle twitch. It didn't move, but you could feel the muscle twitch. It was like, oh my gosh, yes, something is happening. And then a couple of weeks later, it wasn't just a muscle twitch. We saw it move and then it was increasing the strength. Um, but it was definitely difficult in the first part where you weren't seeing anything happening mm-hmm. that I, it got very disheartening at times. Yeah. I can remember that same feeling. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not, are we just wasting time? And then, one day, you're like, like you said, it was bam, there it was. Right. Go ahead. It's, so. a, it's 
it's it's obvious you're here for a reason. You're going to go on and help a lot of people, I'm sure, because um, you've been through two pretty, pretty traumatic things, and you just don't let it stop you, and that's so awesome. I, I love seeing that in people. Um, does uh, I, I see that you were an EMT. Did any of your issues affect your ability to do your work, or did you have to... Um, take a different position or anything during those times? So, yes, I couldn't work for a good long time because um, the accident happened in May and I was actually scheduled to work a couple days after or maybe, yeah, it might have been, actually, I think I might have been scheduled to work like the next day and that was my biggest thing was telling the nurses, like, you need to call them and tell them I'm not going to be able to come into work. Like I, I, and then at one point, one of them was like, Hannah, they're the ones that brought you in. They know. And I was like, yeah, okay. But I mean, my spot's gotta be filled. They gotta have somebody there to work. Um, so I didn't work. I did a, a little bit of a medical standby at the velodrome one time for like time trials. Um, kind of there more as the medical brains than being physically able to like lift somebody, but there's plenty of staff there that would have been able to lift if it was needed. And mm -hmm. I could have just kind of done more of the assessment and figure out if they needed to go to the hospital or not. Um, I did in January when I got down to Texas and we ended up not starting the residency program then as planned, um, start applying for jobs. And I wanted, really wanted to go the emergency side again. However, I knew that physically I wasn't capable of doing the things that I might need to do. I did make mm -hmm. sure I could get off the ground all by myself uh, before applying for an EMS job, but then um, took a non-emergency EMS job here, kind of taking patients from their home or nursing home to doctor's appointments, dialysis, as well as interfacility transport, so hospital to hospital. Mm -hmm. And when I initially started that physically, it was difficult to like lift a stretcher and with the patient on it and that kind of thing. And so I learned little tricks to help me be successful. And thanks to doing that, it was essentially like going to the gym every day at work and mm -hmm. got stronger. And I could start to tell that I was having, I was getting stronger and able to move patients much easier. And so I would say I was off of work, truly off of work for about seven, eight months. Mm -hmm. And then I got started similar kind of stuff but face challenges there. And I was like, I want to work. And I don't, I wasn't really in the mood to do something in the office. Right. I enjoy the fact with EMS is yes, you might have busy days where you don't get to stop, but then you have some days where you do get to stick your feet up for a little bit on the couch while you wait for your next call. And I appreciate kind of that disengagement that you get to have during the day. That's good. That's cool. Hey, Ham, what was it like uh, being a semi-professional biker? It was, it was fun. I appreciated getting to continue to do something that I had done for so long. Um, grew up with it and knew it well. I appreciated the support team apps, team EPS that I was on, Riptide Cycling, and it allowed me to be able to still go to school and chase my career goals as well as continue to race. Um, cycling is not a cheap sport 
And so having that little bit of extra support that you can get from a team to either help pay for a race entry or a helmet or clothing is Mm -hmm. very, makes it very enabling to do. So I enjoyed that. And then just staying with cycling, getting to travel, I think aside from being on a collegiate cycling team with uh, being a semi-professional cyclist, I did get to go to um, nationals at an elite level and see how how that would go. It didn't go all that great, but because <laughs> I, I wasn't training full time like several of the professional athletes that were there, mm-hmm. um, it allowed me just enough in to be able to continue doing it without needing quite the commitment that a professional cyclist would need. Because I also knew that I did not want to become a professional cyclist since it was very difficult to support yourself on that uh you actually need a second career you need to have a full-time job and then as well as still race and that sort of thing and so I decided that I would focus on the career now and maybe the professional cycling life after I had a career yeah as well as with women in cycling the males at a younger age tend to peak in their performance for females it actually tends to be a little bit later Mm-hmm. And there is still an opportunity then to go out and do things and then still compete at a very high level. That's good. Don't count yourself out. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going to go back into that <laughs> racing side of things. I'm I'm trying not to give my mother more gray hair or yeah. my husband. <laughs> um, but I, I look forward to seeing the people that I raced with continue their successes. That's you, can great. Just, you can just be a mountain biker then. <laughs> sure, sure. That, that has its own challenges. You, you could run into trees and stuff. I've seen some of those America's Funniest Home videos. Mm-hmm. People on their mountain bikes just slamming into stuff. So. I always like to say that I, like, I prefer solid ground over ground that can move. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never very good at like when we would come up to a gravel section on our road bikes. I almost ate it a couple times doing that, getting through that. Because you can ride through gravel on a road bike, but you got to let the bike kind of do its own thing while still guiding it. And I like to be in control. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that did not work out as well for me. I didn't fall over, but there was very definitely a couple times where I almost did. Yeah. I think those lesser fallovers that you get in cycling, I say lesser, but like, where you have these smaller crashes where you just kind of slide out in a corner um, and you get back up helped strengthen me to be able to get up from the bigger falls because I had overcome little falls and learned how to get back up. So now you kind of just apply it on a bigger aspect Yeah. bigger things. Exactly. Hey, Hannah, I saw that you used to uh, work at the hospital in Kentucky. The guy, the doctor that built my bladder is a doctor in Kentucky at uh, Louisville, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. Dr. Van Savage. He he made my bladder, you know, from it being damaged from Agent Orange. Right. But, uh, yeah, I might have to go back up there and let him work on it again. So. Well, it sounds like he did a great job at first, so you're going to the right person to keep it going the way it needs to be. Yeah, because around here, they, no doctors in report that I've talked to will touch me because he made it and it's hard to mm-hmm. tricky, tricky stuff to it. So 
they're like, you need to go see him, the man that made it. I'm like, you know, he lives in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you go to Kentucky, wave hi to everyone for me. <laughs> um, there's a song, Famous Friends, by like Chris King or someone. I don't remember who sings it. But there's a lyric in it that goes, when I go home, I got some famous friends. And one day when I was driving and I was singing, it came on, I listened to it. And I was like, yes, I, I can relate to that so much. And then I realized when I was singing it, I was singing about Kentucky. So I think I probably have adopted, or Kentucky has adopted me, so <laughs> to say. And I definitely do now consider Kentucky my home. That's awesome. When do you plan to make a trip up to Kentucky? Do you uh, have a set date yet? Not yet. Well, he's told me it would need to be a emergency situation and, hmm. you know, like one of those, you probably have to life flat up there maybe or something. I, you know, I don't see myself having to, if I get in that big of a situation, I'm probably going to have to life flight. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because... Yeah, yeah, only up, you know, like he said, if it closes off, you know, that gives me uh, eight hours maybe before I start getting really sick with it. Mm-hmm. It's happened once. It closed off, and then I had to call him at three in the morning. And he went up there, and he was going to try to, you know, with a trachea on the side, mm-hmm. to try to drain, you know, because I have the urine in there, because you know I have to self cath or whatever, and mm-hmm. yeah, he tried it, and then he was like. I can't knock you out. So you're going to have to do this, you know, numb and everything. And I'm like, oh, great. And then about four in the morning, he's like, no, we're going to, you're going to have to have surgery. So I was like, thank God. I didn't want to fight anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So it's going to be that kind of a, you know, rush to the hospital and then probably rush to a helicopter or something. Right now, if I can ask, what kind of problems are you currently having? Just out of curiosity, because I think it's interesting that you wouldn't try and prevent the problems from getting worse. I have to the to... point of needing to do that sort of thing. Yeah, I have the, uh, I have it's called the Indiana pouch. Mm-hmm. And it had a hernia, I guess, lifting too much or whatever, pushed down on the entry of the bladder. Gotcha. And so it's actually, when I'm cathing, it's, it's kinking off, you know, in mm. there somewhere. And so if that catheter can't, you know, get past that kink, then I'm kind of backed up for the, right, you know, for the okay. rest of the time. But that's, you know, that's one of the big ones. I don't know if we're going to have to remake the bladder or get in there where we can redo the opening. You know, yeah. That's what the- that doctor is for. He knows those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's. He texts me and he says, you need to have that, you know, where it's kinked off fixed and then we'll worry about the other later. And I'm like, right. And I was like, you're the only one that knows how to fix it. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. like, well, maybe you can find somebody in there in Shreveport to uh, fix the kink. I've been asking and hadn't found anybody yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder if maybe after you get the the hernia sort of thing fixed up, if they're if you can find someone that's willing to fix that part up at least, then maybe the bladder won't seem quite as taboo sort of yep. thing. Like quite as a, oh my gosh, I don't want to touch that because now there's this problem on top of that problem sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because now uh, I do, I'm going to see a guy named Dr. Mata. 
and he's supposed to be a pediatric surgeon doing the same stuff. Mm. And I had to wait. This was in April, so I see him uh, next month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully he can look at it and say, hey, I can do this. And then I'd feel a lot better having somebody here that can actually fix me. <laughs> right. For sure. Having that resource a little bit closer. And I know that with um, pediatric cardiologists, the ones that are, they, they that have um, cardiac surgeries and whatnot when they're babies, they still go back and see the same like pediatric cardiologist at a pediatric hospital, even when mm-hmm. they're an adult. So whether or not he's dealt with something like this, I think that it won't be totally crazy to hope that he would be able to do something about it or, and then at least follow it up. Right. Right. Cause Dr. Brand Savage is, he's a pediatrics, you know, urology surgeon also. So right. they're kind of in the same group. I haven't actually texted him and asked him, you know, how do you feel about, he was like, Oh, he's, he's the same kind of doctor on my level. You know, mm-hmm. he, he said he, you know, if you're in an emergency situation, you know, get him to see you. And I was like, okay, that's my plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, good deal. It sounds like it's not quite as, it might not be, so to say, necessary to have to get a flight up to Kentucky if something happens. Right. Because yeah. we have LSU Med Center here. So mm-hmm. that's where I think he's based out of. Gotcha. And I bet that's a very small world. So everybody knows everybody in it, so to say. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, Hannah, just to get out a little off the subject, um, what was it like in Chile uh, when you were doing your um, study abroad? What kind of stuff did you get to do there? It was it was very contrasted to the life that I lived up here in the U.S. In the essence of down there at a much younger age, they are allowed to like their parents allow them to drink and smoke. So Mm -hmm. that was an adjustment to learn how to still be a part of a group of friends or a family without necessarily engaging in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the biggest growth that I have. Initially, when I went down there, I just told all my classmates that I was allergic. Well, I am allergic to gluten because I have celiac disease, but I just told them that all alcohol has gluten. And that way I could just say, no, I'm allergic. Mm -hmm. And... Then a little bit later, got to the point where I did decide to try a little bit of um, Pisco. And they caught me doing that at a party. And just I was like, just trying a little bit, whatever sort of thing. And they caught me doing that. And they said, oh, we thought you couldn't have it. I thought we thought you were allergic. And I said, well, it's in only in some alcohols. But now I'm strong enough that I can say no when I want to say no. So mm-hmm. um, that was another thing that I learned how to, how to do is to be able to say no there without... Um, being quite as scared or worried about what people thought. Um, right. Got to learn. I, I studied Spanish in school, but you don't ever truly know it until you're there actually speaking it or learning it in mm-hmm. that country for sure. So that was very helpful to kind of cement and learn. It took me, I would say about six months till I was fluent because I went in with a basis to have some vocabulary. It took me about three months to be able to pick out some individual words that I knew Mm -hmm. uh, in a sentence. And there were several I didn't. And then at about six months, it kind of all came together for me. Whereas people that went down without any Spanish at about six months, they started picking out words. And then at nine months, they were completely fluent. Um, Learned to play tennis while I was down there. Mm -hmm. 
um, and that has come in handy now. It's kind of something that my husband and I bonded over in undergrad, and then since he's a big-time tennis player, so to say, not big-time, like, um, seeing him at the FIFA World Cup kind of thing, but he has played some of those people when he was growing up. Oh, and that wow, sort of that's thing. awesome. He's, yeah, he's a seven-time Mexican national champion. So yeah. it's fun when I play with him because no matter where I hit it, it will come directly back to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so Chile was a neat experience for learning the language, uh, learning kind of how to stick up for myself and mm-hmm. finding people that had similar interests as me. That There was a couple classmates that were also focused on a- academics and didn't drink or smoke as much and that sort of thing. So I got to kind of learn that, hey, that's a great group of people to to be friends with and and with that sticking with them also seeing how they were able to be integrated into their group of friends uh, with Mm -hmm. their personality and how they do things and then yeah it was it was a good experience got to see somewhere different it's gorgeous there that sounds great i know my son he's taking spanish he's a senior this year when he goes back to school and he's taking Spanish his whole high school career and he's looking at colleges and we've been talking about him maybe doing a study abroad somewhere and uh, using his Spanish like that so I think it's it's a great opportunity and gives somebody gives you guys some something else to experience a whole nother side of life and a new culture and and it's important that when he when if and when he goes on it that it's easy to fall into, and I noticed this when in undergrad I did a month in Spain um, that my scholarship there allowed me to do, where the the people that came on exchange there, they would all hang out together, and so they only spoke English together. So it made it a little bit more difficult to learn a language when you would just go hang out with a group of friends that would only speak English. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the Rotary program, when I was in Chile, on any group trip, if they caught you speaking English, they would... They would, um, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can think of the Spanish word in my head, but I can't think of the English word in my head. They would kind of <laughs> say, hey, switch to Spanish. You got to be in Spanish. And with living with a host family, while well, my host sister, since she did study abroad the previous year, spoke English, we would still speak Spanish in the house. It was, it mm-hmm. was That was the language to speak. And we did that, and school was all in Spanish. So that definitely helps make a transition to another language is being fully immersed in it and not necessarily unless it's absolutely necessary where you really need to vent about something Mm -hmm. um that way you stick to the language it's easy if you go hang out with your english speaking friends and you do that all the time then you don't get as much exposure to the spanish so if you're going to go hang out with them maybe say hey for the first 15 minutes let's just try and do everything in spanish and then switch back and forth or one of the cool things down here in Laredo, since it is a very bilingual um, culture down here, is talking with my coworkers. It'll be one sentence in Spanish, one sentence in English, and then half a sentence in one language, half in the other. It just switches back and forth. Right. And so that's kind of a, a fun, cool thing that you could use to help you start to learn the language as well. Yeah, that's that's great. I think we should all try to learn another language. Um even something even like sign language or something just Mm because you never know when it would be useful if there was a language you could pick to learn to speak or you could know how to speak which one would you pick 
Um, I would pick sign language, uh, I think, um, just because there's so many people that don't know it. Um, mm -hmm. And then probably Spanish after that. I took French in high school um, and I never used it at all. So uh, maybe if I was in a more French speaking community, I would have more use for it. But right. uh, Spanish is pretty similar uh, as far as the, you know, the base of the words and everything. So it's, I'm sure it'd be a little easier for me to pick up. Mm -hmm. What about you, Kevin, if you were going to pick another language? Uh, German. Okay. Because uh, my, my grandparents used to live in Germany, and my mom was born in Germany. Mm -hmm. So I was always wanted to learn German just because of them. Yeah, that's awesome. My little brother loves German. He, he ended up during, his, um, during college, he was supposed to do a semester in Germany. He ended up making it a year because he, he loved it so much, um, being like being there as well as the language. And now he's actually in August going to head back over to do his master's there. Awesome. I would pick on my dad because I told him when he was in Vietnam, he, would, he said, oh, I'm, I can speak Vietnam, but it's only like three or four words. So I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> like uh yeah you're fluent in your vietnamese there <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say i can make it sound like i speak several languages because i can say probably <laughs> but yeah that's all i can say <laughs> <laughs> yeah because that's what my dad just kept telling me yeah i'm very fluent and then i said well say something he said those four words and i was like well that's it he's like yeah he said, that's all you need to know over there. I'm like, what do the words mean? Do we know that? They mean, I'm, I don't think you probably wanted to, me to know what it meant either. It's probably, well, you know, probably wasn't very nice, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's funny. Just say those four words and then just change up the order like a couple different times. Then you can make it sound like you speak several more words because nobody's going to be able to tell the difference. Especially that language. I was like... uh you know, I said, why don't we go over there? And he was like, you know, I don't think he ever wants to go back over there because I always told him, let's go back over there. And he said, yeah. Since, um, he don't, no. you know, no. I don't want to see it again. Mm -hmm. One of the things you could do is, I, I don't know, I believe you have an iPhone from the text that I got from you kind of thing. Yeah. But um, there's a neat app, the Translate app. Oh, that yeah. You can, it is very accurate at least when i've tested it out for spanish because then i tell my coworkers as well as some some nurses that i know that hey it's an option if you ever need it in when you're working uh, my ems colleagues also know that they can just call me and i'll translate on the phone for them uh yeah. but it's an app and it has several languages on it and you can speak in english to it and it will speak it back out in the other language and then somebody oh, cool. can speak the other language into it and then it will come back out in english um, that's cool. That's awesome. So you can have that nearby when he does that, and then then truly find out <laughs> what it means. <laughs> yeah. And it probably doesn't even mean anything. He probably just made it up, you know. Yeah, you know. So or you know, super slang, like that. You're not gonna. It's not gonna be in a random dictionary. It's like you gotta speak the language <laughs> to know it. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well. Uh, Hannah, thank you for coming on the podcast with us today. Thanks for having me. It was a blast, and I love hearing and learning all sorts of things from y'all, and I appreciate the conversation that we've had.
Yes, thank you so much. And then if anybody needed to reach out to you, um, is there any social media you'd want to put out, um, Facebook or anything like that? Or um, I'm only on Facebook. I don't have a lot of sites because welcome to medical school where I don't know how I would handle, I like I didn't have time to handle anything else. And then oh, even no. in residency, I don't anticipate. I just kind of hop on there every once in a while to do kind of the mindless um right scrolling, scrolling. sort of thing <laughs> yeah waste of time mm-hmm. pretty much but sometimes i was gonna say in a weird way kind of to disconnect from the world by i get in reality facebook is a connection to the world mm-hmm. but again like i say to kind of use it as a mindless like oh hey i haven't you know talked to this person in a while or oh that's neat that's what they're doing cool deal sort of yeah less interactive interaction yeah (laughs) as an introvert i do enjoy that yes (laughs) all right well you guys have a great weekend and happy fourth of july and uh, i hope you guys enjoy yourselves yes i hope you have a great fourth thank you thanks guys take care you too bye